Hi, what's going on? This is Chelsea again, and this is formally my second podcast. I know that the last podcast I was really questioning myself, should I start off by talking about church or not? You know, everybody has a say out there, and um, everyone judges. It doesn't matter who you are. We all judge, and... I was like, well, if I start talking about religion at first, they're going to think that that's what I'm going to be talking about all the time. And let me assure you, it's not. I have a lot of things to say. It's just right now I'm really outraged that the churches have closed down and that these wussy preachers out there, no offense, but it's true, they're not taking a stand. They should have taken a stand for the very beginning. It is our right to go to church. It is our right to practice our religion. And if we don't do that, then where's the faith, you know? But anyway, what I want to talk about today isn't what's going on right now. I want to talk about the past a little bit. And... For those of you who are under the age of 18 and you haven't really lived yet, maybe you need to go to your mom and ask her, hey, is this okay for me to listen to? Because I am always going to be careful, you know, because I want as many people to listen to me as possible, but I also don't want to discourage anyone from not listening to me because maybe I cuss or... Maybe I, um, you know, offend a certain type of person. That's not who I want to be. I want to welcome everyone, you know. But it's almost impossible to do that because eventually I will offend someone out there who happens to be a part of a certain race or a certain religion that maybe I don't agree in and maybe I don't like. (laughs) I'm not racist at all, but I can appear to be at times, so if I ever do that, I'm just going to go ahead right now and say I'm sorry, because I don't care who you are, if we get along, we can be friends, that's always been the type of person that I am, okay, so my past, I've been thinking a lot about PTSD lately, especially because of what's going on today with COVID-19. There's actually been some reports that some of our teenagers in today's world are struggling really, really bad. Even some middle-aged moms are struggling through depression. And I can understand that. One day the world is normal, and the next it's not. Just like 9-11... One day it was normal, and the next it wasn't, and it felt like our whole world was crashing down around us, and that's exactly what could have happened with this pandemic. I, for one, am not going to stand here and believe that the people truly have PTSD. Speaking from someone that actually has PTSD, And I'm just going to go ahead and explain to you what it truly, truly means to be PTSD, first of all. 
before I even go there. PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. It can be anything between having flashbacks, and when I say flashbacks, visions, actual visions, that certain part of your brain, while remembering something that happened to you a long time ago, can also provoke seeing things as well, as if you're watching a movie. You have anything from that, and that's, that's at the top. So I guess I'm starting at the top and working my way to the bottom. Uh, so let's call it 10, 10 ways and uh, 10 things that could possibly be signs of PTSD, okay? So number 10, like I just said, is visions. Number nine, I would say mm, night terrors. And if you don't know what night terrors are, it's not just a bad dream. A lot of people, again, take it out of term and say, I have night terrors too. Really? What happens with yours? Well, I have all these bad dreams and I wake up feeling like it's real. That's not night terrors. Night terrors can be anywhere from, yes, having a bad dream. That's how it starts anyway. But the rest of it is screaming. Or it can consist of urinating in the bed. And it can also consist of getting out of the bed and sleepwalking. And sometimes even hurt yourself while sleepwalking. Wow, I guess I already went down the list. But, so PTSD can consist of all these things. And I know that people go through rough times. But it doesn't necessarily mean they have PTSD. If you haven't been properly diagnosed and you think you have it, please go to a doctor and seek help. Because you can never get past it until you learn to walk the walk and talk the talk. I never even thought for one second that I needed counseling. Uh, my mother didn't know what was going on, just like I didn't know what was going on. And it starts off with a very sad story, which I'm about to tell. I was 13 years old, and my mom, she had a best friend, and I mean, boy, they were best friends. My mom, at the time when they met, she was a counselor at Save a Life. And for those of you who have never heard of Save a Life, it's an abortion clinic, but it's not what you think. It's where moms can come and talk to a counselor about whether or not they should get an abortion. And hence the term save a life because it was a group of people that were trying to give the advice to not get the abortion and show them their other options and maybe even talk about God. And my mom was great at it. She was a great counselor and still is to this day.
and you're not supposed to get mixed up with the people that come and see you. But after my mom stopped being a counselor, she reached out to Gloria, and I'll go ahead and say her name, but not last name. Um, Gloria did not have an abortion, and because of that, she was able to raise a beautiful, beautiful young man. And they became such great friends. It's unreal. It's unreal. My mom went from talking out of to getting an abortion and even got her to not adopt her son out to anyone else. Because my mom showed her that she could be a mom. And she led her to that. She was there through the entire pregnancy step by step. And every single time her and Gloria talked, the more and more closer they got. Well, Gloria was from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, just like me. And that's where they met, of course, was here. And Gloria ended up moving to Florida, where she then became a nurse and everything, did in-home nursing mostly. And Mom and Gloria would go back and forth to see each other, and they kept a relationship for years and years and years to come. It was a beautiful, beautiful friendship. And uh, by the time Josh was eight, she had already had a little girl. Her name was Christy. So now she had two kids, both two beautiful kids and a wonderful husband. I liked Gloria. We got along very well. And being that, you know, <laughs> I was a teeny tiny little thing when she met my mom, I also was drawn and close to Gloria as well. So here I am, 13, and I had been struggling with some things, and my mom just thought it would be nice for me to be able to get out of town. And never did I know that this decision of ours was going to have an effect on me for the rest of my life. No one could have prevented it. Nobody could have stopped it. I guess if enough people had been praying for me while I was gone, but it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. And it took a long time for me to forgive myself. I always said that I was fine, but I wasn't. So anyway, she lived in Pensacola, Florida, and she was very, very close to the beach. And Gloria knew that I loved the ocean. Like I said in my first episode, I love, love living on the lakes like I do right now. And if I didn't live on the water, I probably wouldn't even be living in Alabama. It's, it's my exception to staying here right now. And Gloria just, she knew that I would have a blast and that it would take my mind off some stuff and things that I was going through. I was only 13, but Gloria was great. And at that age of mine, I tended to get along more with adults than people my own age. A lot of people said that I was more mature than others, especially people my own age. 
so anyway, the deal was that I babysat Josh and Christy while Gloria went to work every day. And she would take me to the beach a couple times, and we would have fun together and make a week of it. She had a swimming pool, lots of animals, birds, kittens, dogs, you name it, Gloria had it. And I hadn't seen Josh and Christy in a while, so when I went down there, Josh was taller. Christy was this beautiful five-year-old little girl, blue eyes, blonde hair, just like I had. You see how I did that? <laughs> so, I was so happy to see how happy they were, you know, and how good her marriage was going, and it was just really nice to be there with them. She lived about, I guess, 14 miles out, away from Pensacola Beach. So I did get to go to the beach, and every day I watched Christy and Josh, and sometimes we'd watch movies, other times we would swim in the pool. Well, Christy and Josh had, I guess, yeah, stepbrother, and um, this was her, this was Gloria's husband's son, so she wasn't his real mom, but... She definitely raised him in parts of his teenage life for a little while. And anyway, at that time, um, Eric, the stepson, was not that involved with Gloria's life. But the kids absolutely loved him, especially Josh. He never wanted his big brother to move out, but because of personal reasons, he did. I, being 13, always thought that Eric was cute, and when he called the house and I answered the phone, he told me that, you know, he had a pair of rollerblades, and he needed to get them back to Gloria, and I said, well, Gloria's not here right now, you know, and he wasn't ordering me or anything like that, but me being 13 and him being not that much older, he was kind of flirting a little bit. And said, what if you walk the kids to the park and at the same time I give you the rollerblades to take back to the house? And I said, sure. We haven't gotten out of the house all day today. And all we've been doing is watching TV. That sounds good. So I got the kids ready to go to the park. And um, I said, kids, I said, not by car, but on foot. About how far away is this park? And both the kids said, it's not that far away. And I said, is it safe? And they said, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. No problem. So anyway, we get on the walk. And we're walking and walking. And I said, how far away is this park? And they said, I promise you it's close. It was only a mile and a half away, but still, longer than I would have preferred. And if I had knew, known that it was a mile and a half away, I probably would have said no, because I wanted to keep the kids close enough to the house where Gloria would continue to trust me and feel comfortable. And it was too late to turn around because I couldn't get a hold of Eric and tell him to forget the whole thing. So anyway... All of a sudden, here we are, and we're almost...
almost close. We're almost close. Here we are, real close to the park. And uh, the sun's not going down, but it's about 4 p.m. And so it was kind of an overcast a little bit. And I said, kids, we can't stay long. And then I hear these two guys across four lanes, okay? Four lanes is not funny. We were on a safe sidewalk you know, on the other side, if I'm looking at the four roads, I see Christy and Josh to my left, and here I am walking across to to my right, a four lane. But it took a good, good bit for me to get over there, okay? Because I was not going to go and chat up some guys. Well, I had two kids with me. Not alone cross four lanes with them. And, uh, Maybe get them hurt, or God knows what, kidnapped. You never know. Can't trust anybody anymore. So anyway, um, back to the guys. They they looked not even two years older than me, so 14, 15 years old. And they were kind of wearing black, and they kept saying, Hey, guys. Hey guys, hey guys, and I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And they said, beautiful day, huh? And I said, what? And they said, beautiful day. And I said, yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and that's because there wasn't any cars, but I mean, they're really shouting to get my attention. And finally, they said, come on over here, talk to us. And I said, I've got kids with me, no thank you. And I mean, I, I had to say that at least three times, but in different ways. And I won't say the couple of cuss words I ended up shouting at them, but I pretty much said, look, kid, I've got two kids with me. I'm babysitting. Leave us alone. Well, by the time that discussion was over and I said, come on, kids, let's go, they started walking towards us. And I was like, I don't this does not feel right to me. It did not feel right to me at all. Why would they come to us? And what was their interest in me, especially when I'm babysitting someone else's children? So I told Josh to hold Christy's hand and to not let go. But he's eight, you know? And I said, I will be right back. And they said, is he a bad guy, or are they bad guys? And I said, I don't know, but we don't need them bothering us, and I'm going to tell them to go away. Well, there was really nothing across the street except for this apartment complex. And when I say that it was far away, there was a football field worth of grass to walk on before you got to the actual building because it was a long driveway pulling into the apartment entrance, you know. And um, so anyway, the guys kept going on and on about coming over. And I said, kids, stay here. I will be right back. And they just looked at me. They were a little bit scared. And um, I get about four feet away from where I can jump onto the grass where they were because there was no sidewalk on the other side. And right when I 
fixing to take my first step onto the grass, I hear this huge bang. And when I turn around, my worst nightmare has come true. Christy is literally about 12 feet off the road on the grass on her back. And she's bleeding from her ears. She's bleeding from her nose. I couldn't even think. It was a sound that replayed in my mind for years to come. It was the worst sound in the world because I could tell exactly what it was. This was Florida. It wasn't a deer. And um, so I go into complete shock. And of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I couldn't even remember my own name. I just remember Josh watching me have my hands underneath Chrissy's head. And just Josh is going, what do I do? What do I do? And I finally not remember. I said, uh, go knock on some doors. Run. I said, Josh, you would be faster than me. Run and knock on as many doors as you can. Because I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I was too young for a cell phone. Much less old enough to watch a couple of kids. And uh, so Josh finally found someone that was home and they called 911. When the police got there, they treated me like a suspect not a victim that had just seen something horrible. And they were cruel, asking me all kinds of questions. There was no cameras around at all. And the driver was gone. He was gone. And so anyway, um, they get Christy into the ambulance and they said, who who do y'all have coming for you? Where were you going? And I said, we were just going to go walk to the park. And I said, these guys were calling me over here. And they said, what two guys? And I turned around and those guys were gone. I didn't even realize it because I wasn't thinking of them anymore. But they were gone. And not only that, but another cop car that showed up, those police looked for those boys because they were my only witness as to what happened. And all I remembered at that time was that a big SUV that was pure black with black windows was the one that hit Christy. And that's all that I knew. That's all Josh knew. So they actually put me in handcuffs, if you can believe it asked my name, my age, and everything, and I said, listen, I just want to get to the hospital, and they said, you'll listen to me. They said, if she dies, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. They said, we don't know if you pushed her, and I said, pushed her? You've got to be kidding me. So, they, uh, as they put me in the back seat of the car in handcuffs, I didn't think at all 
as I said, I, I was in such shock that I ended up losing my memory for close to 72 hours. And um, when I got to the hospital with the police and everything, it was me, Josh, and Eric now, the stepson, because while I'm getting into the police car, Eric had finally walked up and he said, oh my God, what happened, what happened? And I said, it's Christy, it's Christy. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I don't know, ask them, because I already couldn't remember what happened. They allowed him to get in the back seat of the police car with me and Josh, drove us to the hospital. Now remember, me, Josh, and Eric, we're all underage. Eric was a teenager. I was a young teenager, 13, and Josh was eight. There's no grown-ups around. I told them that the mother was at work and explained to them that I was babysitting and why I was on the road that day with the kids and why you know, and I kept having to turn to Josh so that he could answer my questions. So the story really wasn't coming from me so much as it was coming from Josh. Because I was shaking all over, they said. And they sent in a priest to talk to me. And uh, they told me later on, I had this little whistle thing around my neck. And I kept whistling in his face. I, my attitude, everything was so wrong. I, it was not me. I wasn't there. And he came out and he asked the doctors if they would give me a sedative. And they said, are you kidding me? For all we know, she's the one who did this to this girl. And the preacher said to the doctor, that's not what's happening here. And you know it. The news had showed up and tried to talk to me, and they were asking me, you know, did you kill this little girl? It was horrible, just horrible. So you've got Josh sitting down. Eric ended up punching his, his hand into the wall, a brick wall outside while smoking a cigarette, and he broke four of his fingers in his hand. He, he was angry, and I just said, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And he held me and said, everything's going to be okay. Christy's going to make it through. And um, he said, I said, well, why, why are you punching the wall? And he said, me and Gloria just started getting along again. He said, it took me years to earn that woman's trust and love, and now it's going to be ruined forever. And he said, that poor, poor little girl. And he asked me, where's the driver? And I said, I don't know. I said, you've got to ask Josh. I don't remember. And um, the preacher was trying very hard to tell the doctor that I was not in a good state at all and that I needed to be admitted as a patient as well. But that never happened. <laughs> but anyway, so... Gloria finally arrived, and um, she comes into the hospital, I mean, just screaming and screaming, and she ran right by me, you know, 
and she's asking the doctors, and uh, what Gloria didn't know, and it took me a long time to even remember this, was that right before she got there, they actually told me by myself, a 13-year-old girl, Eric was outside, Josh was sitting down alone, everybody was alone. And two doctors told me, by myself, without an authority figure around, that Christy was dead, that she did not make it, and that actually she was dead on the scene. So they said that they had lied to me at the scene so that I would calm down, and they didn't even work on her, really. They checked her vitals and all that stuff, but it was all it was all so fast. And I'm like, oh my God. So I was holding her hand. They said she didn't die the second it hit her, but they said, Well, you were holding her hand sitting on the grass, she was leaving her body and I'm like, Oh my god, oh my god, you know. I uh watch Gloria run into that hospital and they're telling her, I'm sorry, but your daughter didn't make it. And like I said, she had rushed by me. Well, she instantly gets on the phone and she starts making all these plans and she's not being herself because she's already in shock. And now she's got family members on the phone and she's just saying, Christy's dead, Christy's dead. And she, by the fourth one, I remember her collapsing and they rushed her into a room and she had completely blacked out. Watching a mom go through that in front of me and me feeling like it was completely my fault. Of course I was in shock. Of course I lost my memory because my mind was pushing everything that was happening to the back of my head. It took me a long time to where to get to where I could actually talk about it, you know. Christy died that day. But we still didn't know who actually hit her. And um for me, as the thirteen year old that took him to the park, my day wasn't even over yet. Not at all. So after family members and everyone left the hospital, Gloria and her husband are in the front seat because that's the next part I remember. I don't remember. I still to this day don't remember her family being in the waiting room with her. All that in between stuff never came back to me. But what I do remember, the next scene in my head now is they're very quiet and they have the radio on. Not music, not music or anything, but it's just real low. And all of a sudden, Gloria turns around and she just starts screaming at me and saying, why? Why did you do this? Why? How could you possibly think that it was okay to leave the house? Were you just walking to them to the park? What were you doing there? And when I started to say something, she said, you know what? Just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. And I kept telling myself, it's okay. She she's just she's just mad she just lost her daughter 
so I'm so blank at that point. And when we arrived at my house, uh, Gloria's house, I'm already packing my bags because I hear Gloria on the phone and I didn't know she was talking to my mom, but Gloria wanted me out of the out of there right away. And that hit me like a pile of bricks because I felt like I was being kicked out, thrown out. And that's another reason why I blamed myself for years and years to come, you know. I don't think anyone knows what to do in this situation, but everybody later on very much regretted all the steps that was taken that night. And they all wished they could go back and undo them because it affected all of us for the rest of our lives. And sometimes to this day. I was packing my clothes and I said, Gloria, where am I going? And she tells me that my half-sister, who I hadn't seen in a very long time, a daughter from my father's first marriage, who lived in Pensacola, was coming to get me. So I didn't hardly know her. I didn't hardly know her. And the next thing I remember, I'm riding in, in the dark and it's like 3 o'clock in the morning now. And I'm on my way to ha my half-sister's house who I hadn't seen in forever. And she just hugged me one time. She didn't talk to me in the car at all. She tucked me in her mom's guest bed and said, get some sleep. Your parents are coming for you in the morning. So the next day, my parents come and pick me up from Tuscaloosa to Pensacola. And when I got home to Alabama, I didn't cry, I didn't talk, and every time somebody asked me if I was okay, I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm fine every single day for four and a half years. I think I'm going to leave at this. I. I'm going to end this with a prayer, and um, we're going to finish this up tomorrow because I think PTSD is a very important topic, and I think that people don't talk about it enough because we only notice our own struggles. Not very much do we notice others. And we forget that somebody else's life is worse than ours. We forget that the person right next to you might be going through more pain than you right then at that moment. And that is what I told myself every day. I'm not the one who died. So, I'm fine. Why are you asking me? Ask Gloria. Ask Christy, the dead girl. I didn't feel like I was good enough now. I didn't feel like I 
deserve for anyone to ask if I was okay. I didn't feel like I deserved their empathy. I didn't feel like I deserved their love. I didn't feel like I deserved a hug. I felt like I should have been in a jail cell. Alright, let's end with prayer. Father God, we thank you that me and whoever's listening, that we are alive today. We thank you, God, that every day is a new day. I love that. You wake up with a new start. And I could use that for every metaphor in the entire world because it's almost as if you did that on purpose. The way that you created this world, you were, and still are to this day, one of the best artists that there is out there, Father God. Nothing compares. We all, every single day, have another chance to make it right, to do better, to build ourselves up again, to get out of bed and say, all right, I am facing the world today. God, what do you want me to do with my life? But it's got to start with having him in your heart. And God, I thank you so much that we have an opportunity here to spread your word. I thank you that right now I have an opportunity to share my stories, to share how I was able to get through my life so that just maybe somebody else out there gets something out of it. I, I've always believed that if you do something positive, positive will come back. But you've got to believe it. You've got to have faith that things will turn around. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, that every day is new. We thank you, God, that we learn to appreciate life, to appreciate the ones we have, not the ones we don't. To appreciate the money we have, not the money we don't have. To appreciate the home we have. So many people out there have less than what we have. And there's just got to be a better way to do it. There's got to. But prayer is one of the biggest answers there is. God, we love you so much. And I thank you that every episode I do, you talk through me. Use me, Father God. Use me. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for listening. And I know that when I pray, (laughs) I tend to go back to talking. But that is part of my prayer. Because God is right here with me. He's everywhere. And that's why you don't have to be in a church to be with God. He's right here today. Right here with you. You can pray right now and ask him for forgiveness. You can pray right now and ask him for your heart. Into your heart. And start this day with a new beginning to the rest of your entire life. Because without him, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how far we come, how much we push, how much we shove. Sin is sin. 
I don't see race. I don't see color. I see us and them. Non-Christians and Christians is what it's going to boil down to at the end. And it's like that right this second. Which is why the world is going to come closing in more and more every day to try to shut the Christians down. Alright, thank you for listening. Tomorrow will be the second part about talking about PTSD. Goodbye, you guys. God bless.